Welcome everyone to Kingdom Rock Radio. We pray that you will enjoy today's message. Now here's a sample of what you'll be hearing today. Because the blood of Jesus is more powerful than any sin that you commit. You cannot tell me that one sin you commit is more powerful than the shed blood of Jesus or the entirety of all the sin you committed over your entire lifetime is stronger than one drop of his blood. You can't tell me that his blood has power and it will never lose its ability to cleanse and to save. Hallelujah. Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located right here in Bremen, Georgia. You can connect with us at our website at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's message. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for this time you've given us to gather around your rich word. Father, we don't take it lightly. I pray, Father, we never take it lightly that we never take it as usual or normal because it is not. Father, we celebrate your presence and we ask you, Father, to speak to us today by your spirit that you would lead us into all truth and show us things to come. Holy Spirit, show us Jesus. Show us the word. Illuminate it. Bring us revelation and insight. And we pray today that you would uh, speak to us so clearly and that you would show us the works of the Father, reveal it to us. And Father, we pray that today our, our communion, communion with, with you will be sweet. And we thank you, Lord, that we'll leave this place forever changed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I want to welcome all of you that are here today and, and welcome our online community, Kingdom Rock. Let's welcome our online community. Hi, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. Wherever you're watching us or listening to us from all around the world, we just want to tell you uh, hello, and even from the southern states of the United States, we say it, hi, y'all. That's how we kind of say it down here. Uh, so wherever you are, hello, hello, and thank you for joining us. I believe that uh, the Lord has a special word in store for you today, so hold on to your seatbelts, amen? All right. Well, as you guys know that we've been in a series today, we've been in a series for a long time. Uh, entitled Get Up. And this is part number eight. This is part number eight. I believe I heard this morning uh, from the Lord that we will begin to close out this series. It may not be next week, but it may be the week after that. So it may go to 10 parts. Uh, at least that is how I feel at this moment. We're just going to keep following the leading of the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Sometime I've said something would take 15 minutes and end up being in an hour, an hour and a half. So we're just going to follow the leading of the Lord. Amen. So, but we're on part number eight. And uh, today's subtitle is, You Have Been Made Holy. You Have Been Made Holy. So those of you that are watching or listening or even here in this room today, if you have not heard parts one through seven, please go back and do so. And if you've heard it once, it, it's worth hearing it again. Uh, we've talked about being made uh, righteous, being made uh, redeemed, uh, being justified. All these are terms that will help keep you in these last days as we really identify uh, the gospel of grace and what Jesus did for us with his precious blood. For some of you, this may be a refresher. And if it is a refresher, then receive the words of the Holy Spirit and let him refresh your souls. Let him refresh your spirit, man. 
Please don't put it and say, well, I've heard that before. No, no, no. Whenever God is speaking and whenever he says, look at this again, look at it again. Look at it again. Review it again. Because whenever he takes you back to a particular place, he wants to show you something new, something spectacular, something glorious that you did not see before. So allow the Holy Spirit to take you on that journey and let him refresh you. If you've heard it before, let him refresh you in his presence. Let him refresh you. Never ignore the word of God. Let him refresh you. Amen. All right. So this series comes with a confession. So let's go with our confession. Now, let me say this too. Uh, when you're confessing the word of God, you're not, we're not saying this to convince ourselves about what God said. We're, we're not just saying it, repeating it, repeating it like some sort of a, a mantra or magic trick. No, the word of God is quick and is powerful, quick and powerful, and it is sharper than, the, than any two-edged sword. When you speak the word of God, you are speaking life over yourself. You're speaking life over yourself. And the word of God cuts down. It's, uh, I saw it like a, like a razor or a very sharp sword that cuts down into the soul, that cuts away all these other uh, false layers that have, been, uh, that have held us down, held us in bondage, these other false beliefs that we've had um, about ourselves. The, the Word of God cuts down through it. I mean, it, it fillets it, fillets those parts down, and they begin to fall away when you declare the Word of God over your life. So it's up to you to declare the word of God over your life. It's not just on Sunday morning, but every day you're taking the word of God and you're declaring it. You're declaring it day after day, and it will continue to cut away all those false layers. And you'll see your life beginning to reflect those words that you've been saying. Amen. God's word is creative power, is creative power, and his word will sure up your foundation. So I want to admonish you, any, or should I say encourage you, to declare the word of God over your life. All right, so let's go ahead and do our confessions today. Because of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, I am forgiven, Colossians 1.14. All my sins have been washed away, 1 John 1.7. I have peace with God. Romans 5, 1. I have been made the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. I am forever perfected and sanctified, being made holy. Hebrews 10, 14. I am not now, nor will I ever be condemned by God. Romans 8, 1. I am loved and accepted in the presence of God. John 3, 16. Ephesians 1, 6. As Jesus is, so am I in the world. 1 John 4, 17. For those of you that are joining us online, remember, remember you can go to our website at kingdomrock.org and just click on the series page and you'll find those confessions right there. Uh, for those of us that are in the room now, they're on the back table. Uh, if we need more copies, then I can make sure I can get them to you or you can just go to the website and get them. All right, today's key word is holy, holy. Holy. Let me give you this definition of holy. This is a basic definition that we will use uh, throughout the course of today. The word holy uh, means most holy thing. It means a saint. It means consecrated, pure, morally blameless, sanctified, set apart, set apart. So we're going to see a lot of that today. Holy. Uh, it mean, mean again, most holy thing, a, a saint, 
someone that is consecrated, or it could be a thing that is consecrated to the Lord, uh, pure, morally blameless, sanctified, set apart for God's use, all right, or set apart for use. Now, uh, there is a process of holiness that I want you to see. We're going to start here in the Old Testament. Uh, remember, the, in the Old Testament is Christ concealed, but the New Testament is Christ revealed, right? So when you, when you talk about uh, sacrifices in the Old Testament, that was pointing to Christ. When you talk about the blood that was shed of a sacrifice, that was pointing to Christ. Amen? Let's look at a few of those Uh, As a matter of fact, let's look at, we're going to start here in Exodus 29. Exodus 29, uh, verse 21, as we talk about holiness. Now, there are two ways something is made holy. We're going to see this two ways primarily. One is by word. God calls you holy. He creates you as holy. Second, we're going to see by the sprinkling of blood, by the sprinkling of blood. And we'll cut right to the chase already. You are made holy because God made you holy. And second, by the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus, you are holy. Say with me, I am holy. holy. Now, remember, it doesn't matter if you feel holy or not. You can't live by your feelings. Your feelings can be highly deceptive. You don't live by your feelings. You you definitely don't live by what people say. You don't live by even uh, what you may think about yourself from time to time. You live by the Word of God. The Word of God is always true. It is always transformative, and it is always, it always fixes us in the right direction, okay? So again, let's look at this in um, Exodus 29, verse 21. Uh, The uh, New Living Translation, it says this, Then take some of the blood, the Lord talking to Moses, then take some of the blood, that is the blood of the sacrifice, from the altar and some of the anointing oil and sprinkle it on Aaron and his sons and on their garments. In this way, they and their garments will be set apart as holy. So God tells Moses, take the blood of the sacrifice. What sacrifice applies to us today? It's the blood of Jesus. Jesus is a sacrifice. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So God told Moses, and remember, this is a picture of what uh, the Lord would do for us today. He told Moses to take the blood and take the anointing oil and sprinkle. Now, many times when you see the word sprinkle here in the Old Testament and uh, throughout the Word of God, but especially in the Old Testament, it talks about uh, taking handfuls of something or dipping your hand in, uh, in this case, blood or, or oil, or maybe sometimes even taking your finger. And the word sprinkle has the connotations of toss, uh, toss it on, toss the blood upon them, toss the oil upon them, sprinkle it, sprinkle it upon them. Let the blood, let the oil touch them. In this way, they are being set apart as holy. Again, it is the blood of Jesus that has been sprinkled upon your life, the blood of Jesus. And who does the sprinkling? It is the priest. So Jesus, as our high priest, dips his hand in his own blood, and he sprinkled it. We're going to see this. He sprinkled it before the altar in heaven, and he also, as the high priest, he sprinkles his blood upon his people, making them holy and making them clean by his precious blood. Glory to the Lamb of God. Now, um, let's look at another one in uh, Leviticus, Leviticus 8, 15, Leviticus 8, 15, 
Leviticus 8.15. And it said, and it starts here in verse number 15. It says, and Moses slaughtered it. That is, he slaughtered, slaughtered the offering, the animal that was given there. Moses took some of the blood and with his finger, but with his finger this time, he put it on the four horns of the altar to purify it. He, pure, he poured out the rest of the blood at the base of the altar. Through this process, he made the altar holy by purifying it. Do you see that? Made holy by two, way, two ways. We'll see this by declaration. God saying this. He declaring you to be holy. He, he has made you holy. And also by the sprinkling of blood, by the shedding of blood. That blood hits that object. It is made holy holy. All right? It is made holy. So uh, now let's go into the New Testament. Let's go into 1 Peter. I want to show you this. 1 Peter 1. Now again, the Old Testament is Christ concealed. The New Testament is Christ revealed. You will see in the Old Testament a lot of types and pictures of how Jesus would be. Now in the Old Testament, on the Day of Atonement, they would take uh, that once a year, they would take an animal, a, a sheep or goat, what have you, a heifer, and they would bring that to the, uh, the high priest would take that animal and it would shed his blood and its blood, the blood of their offering would cleanse the people or cover their sins for one year. So every year the high priest had to go back in and do the same thing because the blood of bulls and goats and, and uh, those type of animals could never take away sin. It could only cover it. So every year there was a remembrance that had to be made of the people's sin because they could never do it. But that was then. But the blood of Jesus doesn't cover sin. It takes away sin. Jesus, as our high priest, once he offered his own blood before the Father, he, the Bible says he sat down, sat down, meaning that there's no more offering that needs to be done. His blood did it once and for all time. Sin has been taken away, taken away. He is the high priest. So again, all the sacrifices of the Old Testament were pointing to what Jesus would do, pointing to what the Messiah would do for all time. Say with me, Jesus has taken my sins away. Jesus has made me holy. All right, now, now I want you to say that with power. Say, Jesus has taken my sins away. Jesus has made me holy. Jesus has made me holy. All right. I need you to say that. I need you to say that. I need you to, I mean, those of you that are watching at home, I, I need you to say it from the very core of your being. Now, when you're first saying, and if you never really said it before, or maybe you've sinned and you felt, oh, I don't feel like it. Again, don't go by your flesh. Don't go by your feeling. Go by the word of God. And when you declare what Father says, it is always right. Hallelujah. It is always true. Hallelujah. I am holy. I am redeemed. I am washed by the blood of Jesus. Now, that is regardless. That is an eternal truth that has nothing to do with current situation or circumstances. I may have just slipped in some type of sin. You may have just slipped in something. Remember, sin is what you did. That is not who you are. Even in the pit of that sin, you can declare, I am holy. I have been washed by the blood of Jesus. 
See, that's exactly what the devil does not want you to do. He wants you to sin. He say, oh, I did this. I'm, I'm old nothing. I'll never get it right. I'll never, I'll never be what God wants me to be. He wants you to wallow in it. He wants you to stay in it and condemn yourself. He'll bring other people to you and condemn you. He wants you to stay in condemnation because as long as you're condemned, you are controllable. You are controllable, and he can grab you and just nail that condemnation and just, and just screw it in and just mess with you and mess with you. But the moment you say, Father, I did this, and I thank you for forgiving me with your precious blood, I confess this sin before you, and I thank you, Lord, that I am forever cleansed. I am righteous. I am redeemed. I am holy. Because the blood of Jesus is more powerful than any sin that you commit. You cannot tell me that one sin you commit is more powerful than the shed blood of Jesus or the entirety of all the sin you committed over your entire lifetime is stronger than one drop of his blood. You can't tell me that his blood has power and it will never lose its ability to cleanse and to save. Hallelujah. So the lamb's blood is superior in every form or fashion. But when you rise up and say it from your heart, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am redeemed. I'm telling you, boy, you become <laughs> Satan's nightmare. <laughs> you become one that begins to be filled with light and love. And I'm telling you, as you are, as you are more convinced of his work, his ability to make you holy, than your ability to make you a sinner. When you are convinced of his blood to cleanse you, then your sin to defile you. When you're more convinced of what he did, I'm telling you, your life begins to change and the powers of hell begin to shake. It's kind of like that old that movie Matrix. I look at it. When Neo begins to realize who he is, Trinity says, oh, what is he doing? He's beginning to believe. Why didn't he run away? He's beginning to believe. Why didn't he, he what, what, devil, uh, master, we, we put all this sin on him. What, 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 why is he still going to church? Because he's beginning to believe. He's beginning to believe. Watch out. He's beginning to believe. Woo! He stopped running. Now he's beginning to believe. Hallelujah. He picks out his sword and say, bring it now. Oh, my God. What happens when you really begin to believe who and what you really are? All life begins to change. Your prayer language changes. Your posture changes. Your attitude changes. And you'll really begin to discover that sin is a thing that defiles you and it is actually beneath you. People aren't beneath you. Society is not beneath you. It is sin that is beneath you. All the things of this world really beneath you. You are above that. You are holy. Holiness is an invitation for you to be like your father. Because your father is absolutely holy. He is absolutely powerful because he is absolutely holy. How would you want to be like something that is less, that is less and far inferior when you want to be like your father? Huh. 
there's no one like him. And it's an invitation to walk out this life in front of fallen man. Glory to God. Holiness does not mean that you get to point at other people and tell them what they've done and, and how and speak horrible, terrible things about them. You know good this and, and you know good that, or to hate them because they've done this or because they look like that. God said, No, listen, if you can find that in Jesus, then go ahead and do it. But because you cannot find that in the model Christian himself, Christ himself, that tells you that you have no right to do that. And when you do that, you're doing that through another spirit because it's not the spirit of Christ. If you can't find it in Christ, it should not be found in the body of Christ. Does that make sense? We have more faith. I have more faith in the power of Jesus to save them to save them than it is for you to take someone in and drill them about how bad they are. Let Jesus save them. That's his job. He is a savior. You just welcome them and say, come on. Come on. Let me show you Jesus. And Jesus will either draw them. Oh, he'll, he'll either draw them. The light of God will either draw them to his presence or you'll find the light Push them away. The light will either draw or drive. Draw or drive. When Jesus walked upon the earth in his earthly ministry, many were drawn to him and others were driven, driven away from him. But it's all where their heart is, how they stand with God. Do they want God? If they want the light, then they'll be drawn to the light. But if they love darkness more, then the appearance of light, the appearance of light will cause them to flee. If you're comfortable in your sin and in the dark and in the dark rooms, when someone turns on the light, you're going to scatter. That's what roaches do. You turn on the light and they scatter. They love to be in the dark where it cannot be seen. That's where they work. So someone's life is in darkness, and they want that darkness. The moment you turn on the light, they're going to tell you, oh, it's too bright. Turn it off. You're exposing my sin. You're exposing who I am. I don't like it. I don't want it. I don't want it. And they will reject the light because their deeds were evil, the Bible said. But those who are in darkness who are crying out, God, save me. I don't want to be this way. Save me out of my impurity. Save me out of this bondage. Save my soul. And there are those that are sitting in darkness. And when they see a great light, they will go to the light and be rescued and be saved. Only Jesus can do that. But the moment you begin to become their own savior and you point at them and tell them they were, they can or cannot be saved, you're taking his place. Your responsibility is just shine the light. Show them the love of Jesus. Can you do that? Show them the love of Jesus. And where does that start? That starts with you being convinced, first of all, of who you are in him and what he's done for you. If you're walking in condemnation, you're going to find it very hard for you not to condemn somebody else. But if you're walking in grace, you can give grace to others. If you're walking in unforgiveness, you're going to hold unforgiveness against others. But if you're walking in forgiveness, 
you're going to find it easy to forgive others. Walk in love, you release love. Walk in hate, you release hate. Walk in bitterness, you release bitterness. But if you walk in peace, you release peace. It's going to start with how Christ is manifesting in you. He is the hope of glory. I pray you get that, children. I pray you get it. First Peter, the first chapter, verse number two says this. It says, elect according to the foreknowledge of God, talking about us. Uh, one more time, elect according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit. Sanctification, again, that's another word for holy. Those have been set aside for God. It says, unto obedience and what? Sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. You see that? The Lord sprinkles his own blood upon his people. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Now I want to show you that same verse because I love the way the New Living Translation brings this out. But again, it doesn't bring out the fullness. King James says it, uh, that we were sanctified or cleansed by the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus. And really that through the Holy Spirit, we, are, uh, we have sanctification. So New Living Translation brings up just a little bit differently, but I like the way it reads. So listen to this. It says here, 1 Peter 1, verse 2, New Living Translation says, God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and his Spirit has what? Made you holy. His Spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. So, King James said, you've been sprinkled by the blood. Now, that is the process. New Living Translation simply says, you've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Both are true, but King James shows you the process. How is it done? Because how is it done? Well, the high priest himself, Jesus, sprinkled you with his own blood. The hand of God, <laughs> the hand of God dipped his own hand in his own blood upon the altar and sprinkled his people sanctifying them, forever cleansed, forever sanctified, forever purified with his own blood. Oh, my God, what will happen when you identify with that? And we know that in Hebrews, the 10th chapter, Hebrews 10, verse 14, uh, this is what it says here, Hebrews 10, 14. I'll read it to you. Uh, the King James, it says, For by one offering he hath perfected forever, them that are sanctified, them that are sanctified. Jesus has done that by his own blood. He has forever sanctified you. So write that down. Of course, that is in our confessions, Hebrews 10, 14. Now let's look again at 1 Peter, first chapter. We're going to read verses 13 through 21. 1 Peter, the first chapter, 13 through 21. As we go on about this. Now it says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That is, realize where you are. Live soberly. We're not home yet. You say, oh, life is so hard. This and that happening. Yes, you're not home yet. Oh, now we, we say all those we say all those things, I can't believe this, I can't believe they did that, I can't believe, because inwardly we expect heaven to be manifested here around us. And when something is not like 
home, we call it out. But listen, we're called to bring heaven to earth. Even in the model prayer, Jesus told us to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And we're praying that heaven be brought to earth. We're praying for the manifestation of heaven in us and around us. But we're not home yet. So we're, of, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. So we cannot expect a perfect paradise here, not yet. There soon will be one when the Lord Jesus comes. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But right now, we're still living. Uh, we still have the opportunity to live among those that walk in darkness, to show them a light, to show them the light of Christ. Amen. That's why you're still here. Look at verse 14. He says, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust and uh, according to the former lust in your ignorance. Don't go back to what you used to do simply. Verse 15, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Simply be holy in the way you live. Be holy in the way you live. Be set aside. Let your life resemble that of God, the life of Christ. It says in verse 16, because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. Verse 17, and if ye call on the Father, we're going to look at verse 17 out of the New Living Translation too, but we're going to go ahead and finish reading. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons, persons, who without respect of persons, judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. Verse 18, for as much as you know, that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold or, or your vain conversations received by, traditions, tra- by tradition uh, from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. The perfect sacrifice, in other words. Verse 20, who verily was foreordained before uh, the foundation of the world, but was manifested in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. So simply saying here, live a holy life, live a life, and we'll see this, live a life that is really a spectacular life. Live a high life. Live a high life. Don't allow your life to resemble that of the world system, living a low life. Live a high life. Live like God. Be like the Father, who is spectacular. We can say it this way. Holiness can also, this is in the Mark Stroud version, holiness can also mean being shiny. You are shiny. That's on another movie. Dun, 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 dun. Shiny. Okay, getting back. I like that little part there. But that crab in that crab or turtle in that scene was really pompous and arrogant about all the gold and glitter he had on him and all that stuff. But shiny meaning, you know, we shine as light in this world. Sin will dull 
your effectiveness in this world. Unrepented sin. When you regard your sin, regard it, it's like you're rubbing dirt on your light, the surface of a light, and it can't shine through as it should. So you are holy and simply let your light shine through. And the Word of God gives us some great pictures about that and tells us how to do this. Well, let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17. Let me read that verse to you out of the um, New Living Translation because this is how we need to be living at this moment. And it says, And remember that the Heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residence. I love that. So God says he's looking, he's observing. Now, when he talks about judging you, he's not talking about judging whether you go to heaven or hell, whether you have, whether you have his favor or not in his favor. No, because that question has forever been settled in the body of Christ, in the sacrifice of Jesus. You are righteous, period. You will never be condemned, period. Hallelujah. But this judgment does talk about um, whether what you do is approved of God. He's examining it. He's examining your works. And if your works are successful, well, then you will receive rewards. Rewards now and, of course, rewards later. Part of these rewards talk about the crown of righteousness that you're going to receive later on. You're going to receive a crown of righteousness that fadeth not away. So uh, our Father likes giving rewards. He likes giving rewards. So he says, pass your time here, focusing on him, living a life reverently before him in holiness, because you know that Father's watching. He's not watching you to condemn you, to judge you. Oh, I did this, so God's punishing me. No, that's, again, that's a, that's a thought from hell. Because the Father's not going to punish you. How do I know that God is never going to punish me for sin committed? Because he's already punished Jesus. And Jesus was my sacrifice. And Jesus received the punishment for my sins. The punishment that I should receive fell on Christ upon the cross. So therefore... The Father has exhausted his wrath for me. He exhausted it in the body of Jesus. Therefore, there is no more wrath for anyone that is born of God. There is no more punishment reserved for us, for me, for you, for anyone that is born of God, because that punishment, that wrath was poured out upon Jesus upon the cross. And one way you know that is because of what Jesus cried out, Father, why have you forsaken me? Jesus became the sin offering. So God is not, never going to punish you for your sins because the punishment fell on Christ. He's never going to be wrathful or vengeful, vengeful for you because you are in Christ, because the wrath of God, the vengeance of God was poured out upon Christ for all those that, all those that have received him. So what happens when you sin and things go bad? Well, you open up that, old, that own can of worms yourself. Remember, every sin has a payment. Every time you sin, it has a payment built into it. All right? That's not God. That's something that we activated. We opened the door for the enemy to come in, for the devil to come in through that act of sin. Remember, sin is like poop. It's like boo-boo. And it attracts flies. 
And if you don't quickly wash that scent off of you, the flies are going to come. The demons are going to come. The devils are going to come. It's going to attract all kind of negative and nasty stuff into your life. This is why when you fall into sin, you quickly repent before the Lord, quickly repent, and you quickly confess who you are before God. Quickly repent, that is, change your mind. I'm not going to do this. Father, I thank you that I don't have the strength of myself to stay out of this, but I know that you do, so I receive your strength to stay out of this. Please change my mind, change my focus. And in this, Lord, I declare that that is what I did. That's not who I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And you continue to declare who you are in Christ. You'll notice that sin will lose its power over your life. I hope that makes sense. But for somebody to say, God is punishing me because I've done this. No, no, uh-uh. No, it's not true. That's not true at all. If you're in Christ, there's no more punishment. Now, God will correct you. He will correct you. There's no doubt about that. And what father, what loving father would not correct his children? But he does not correct you with sickness. He doesn't correct you with, with bad things happening. He doesn't, he doesn't, that's not the father's will for you. He will send correction. But correction and punishment are two different things. Are you getting me? All right. So the Lord will, uh, Scripture says he will chastise and rebuke those that he loves. But he does that to correct you, to get you back on where you should be. If you're driving down the wrong side of the highway, somebody better quick tell you you're on the wrong side of the highway because you're about to hit somebody or somebody's going to hit you and it's going to end up very badly. Hallelujah. All right. So I want you to uh, see and know that. Now, I want you to see as well, let's, let's take a picture uh, just for the time that we have. Let me show you a picture, a brief picture as we go through the Bible of holy, what holiness is and, and how it looks, how it looks. Because if, if you were to ask the average person today, what does holiness look like? I tell you, don't watch this, uh, don't, don't drink that. Don't do this and don't do that. And if you, if you do that long enough, then you're holy. Well, that's a more manufactured holiness. Now, of course, as you continue in Christ, you'll stop doing a lot of things, but you're not doing them to be holy. Guess what? You are already holy. You were made holy because God created you holy in Christ. You're made holy through the sprinkling of his blood. You're made holy. I'm not doing these things to be holy. I am holy. But we can grow in holiness, and I'll show you this as we go further on in. Because the more holy you become, holy you become as you grow in holiness, the more power you'll have over the adversary. But let me show you uh, just briefly as we go through this. Uh, let's look at the first mention of the word holy in Scripture. First mention of the word holy in Scripture. You'll find this in uh, Genesis, the second chapter, Genesis 2, verses 2 and 3. Now, we'll find this out of the New Living Translation because King James actually uh, renders the word holy here as, uh, as sanctified, as sanctified. We'll look at this. All right. Genesis 2, verses 2 and 3 says this. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of, cre of creation, so he rested from all his work, not because he was tired, but because he was done. All right. Verse 3. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it what? Holy. He declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all uh, his work of creation. Now let's look at that out of King James. Uh, Genesis 2, verse 3, King James says, And God blessed the, sab the seventh day 
and sanctified it. So holy and sanctified are basically the, the same word there. Uh, so King James calls it sanctified. Sanctified, of course, means to consecrate, to set apart, to make holy, to hallow. All right, so the first reference we see of holy in the Bible is where God set aside a special day. This is a special time. This is special to me. So what is holy is special, is unique from all the others. So right away we can see when God says be holy, he's telling you be special, be unique, be separate from all the others. Be abnormal. Are you hearing it? In a good way. In a good way. You don't have to. You can be extra in a good way. Are you hearing? All right, let's look at the um, first mention in the king of the word holy itself in King James, and that goes to uh, uh, Exodus, the third chapter, Exodus 3. And this is when God gets Moses', Moses attention as he goes up on the mountain and Moses sees a burning bush. He sees a burning bush. Let's, let's, look at the, let's, let's, let's look at this account here. Exodus, the third chapter, verse 3 says, And Moses said, I will, turn, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, draw not nigh hither. Don't come any closer. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground, sacred, special, unique, different from all others. This is holy. So you are holy. You are separate you are special. You are unique, different from all others. There's none other like you. Are you hearing? Now, notice those first two references had nothing to do with sin. But it means being special, unique. Now, if we are special, unique, called, called, called to God, called for the Lord's use, if, you're, if we're with him, sin is not present. As we, as we go through this, you'll see sin simply mars. It corrupts, or we can even say defiles. It can defile uh, your light before people. But what God did for you is permanent. He sees you as holy. Now, your reflection to other people can be marred. You say, well, I thought you were this and that. They say, oh, what you're doing, because what you do speaks to people. He speaks to your testimony before people. But what God did, God did to you is permanent. So we have to agree with what God did and declare what God did, and eventually we'll see it, and they'll see it. The world will see it. Now, not everybody that sees you as holy will like you because not everybody liked Jesus. They didn't like him. Some people didn't like him then, and some people sure don't, don't like him now. So don't think that I, I'm, I'm going to do this and God's going to, I'll, you know, I'm going to give myself to the Lord and I'm going to be uh, holy and people are going to see it and they're going to give their lives to the Lord and they're going to love me. Well, let's just stop that thinking right now. All right? Because many times when you shine forth light, they're going to curse the light. But it has nothing to do with you. It's the light that you project. It's the image that you send off. It is Christ that they are rejecting or Christ that they are receiving. The first 
uh, reference to holy, holy in the New Testament has to do with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. This, this spirit is unique from all other spirits. He is special. Holy Spirit there in Matthew, the first chapter. And we'll see really uh, in Revelation, Revelation 22, you'll see the last reference to holy in the Bible that has to do with the holy city, the new Jerusalem that is special, that is unique from all others, from all others. It is special. It is shining. Are you hearing? It is shining. All right, now let me show you this too. As we begin to close today, let me show you. Let's go to Ephesians, the fourth chapter, Ephesians 4. So we're talking about living a holy life. Let me give you application. The Bible gives us application of how this look, how this looks. Now, again, when you think about shiny or think about holy, think about shiny, something special, something unique, something that looks like God. I don't want you to immediately go to sin, although not sinning is a characteristic of holiness, but I'm not trying, I'm not trying to avoid sin to be holy. I am holy, and avoiding sin is just what I do. It is now the new nature that we have. Does that make sense? If you're trying to avoid, I don't want to do that because I want to live a holy life. I mean, I don't want to do that because I want to be holy. You know, that's just messed up. No, I am holy. Say it with me. I am holy. Christ has made me holy. His blood has been sprinkled upon my life. He has made me holy. Now, from that foundation, when that sinks in and you get that in you, your choices, life choices, will begin to change. That makes sense? When you realize that you are really a king, when you realize that you really have everything, then you'll find that those things that once had you no longer hold you any longer. It's kind of like that example with the elephant, the baby elephant. Uh, to train an elephant, they will tie an elephant with a small rope uh, on a tree or on a pole. So in the beginning, that little baby elephant cannot break that rope. It cannot break the rope. But as it grows larger and it is a full-blown adult elephant, they don't tie chains. They use that same old rope. Because mentally, the elephant says, I can't break this rope. I've tried to break it, and I can't break it. So they got me. Even though the elephant now can push over cars, easily break this rope, easily push down the tree that this rope is tied upon, easily do it. But because its mentality has not been changed, it won't, it won't try to, to break it. And this is what your confession does. Your confession breaks that rope. Your confession and seeing who you are in Christ begins to break that old mentality, break that old thinking. And that's what the enemy doesn't want. He wants you to still be bound by what had you bound. He wants you to think that you are still limited even though you have grown. No, when you confess the word of God and see who you are in him and confess it boldly, Confess it boldly. Confess it boldly. When you, can, when you can confess the word of God boldly and live it boldly, those old ropes, those old trees, those old chains and shackles will no longer hold you. You got me? Amen. Let me show you this and we're going to close out today. Ephesians 4, 
So this is living a holy life explained. I want you to hear this. Ephesians 4, uh, verses 21 through 32, it says, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupt by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Let the Holy Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God. I love that. Your new nature was created to be like God, and God is holy. It says, truly righteous and holy. I love what King James says there. It says, actually, we were created in righteousness and true holiness. Verse 25, it says, so stop telling lies. So here's some of the workings of being holy. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. And we, rather, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Now, do you see how your sins can allow the enemy access into your life? We sin and let the devil in, and then we say, God is punishing me. It's the craziest thing I've seen in my life. We sin, let the devil in, and then say, God is doing this to me. Get me? Verse 28, if you are a thief, quit stealing. Yeah. Instead, use your hands for good hard work. Then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and useful and, and, uh, and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Verse 30, do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. King James says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. It says, remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. It goes on. Get rid of all bitterness. I love that word, all. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger. We're seeing a lot of anger here, aren't we? Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Hallelujah. Now, as a result of you living a holy life, now, this is something the Holy Spirit is going to have to work with you. You have to let the Spirit work through you in this. Continuing to confess, Lord, I got a problem with this mouth. Oh, help, help me, Lord. I, I say foul words. Remember, the, I, your word says don't say it, so I need your help for me not to do that. Lord, I receive it in Jesus' name. I receive your help, and I declare that I am holy. Lord, you said it, and I agree with it. I say yes to your word, yes to your word. And I, I say, let not my will, but your will be done. See, you're confessing your way, and you're praying your way into cleansing. You are declaring your way into cleansing. But if you're going to just 
do it yourself, you're going to find that sometimes you'll be successful and sometimes you won't be successful because you can't cleanse yourself. You can't stop bad behaviors. It's going to be a work of the Spirit. You're going to have to let the Holy Spirit do His work in you. So the results of this, uh, we're going to see this in 1 Peter 2nd chapter. Um, 1 Peter 2nd chapter, it says, verse 9, but you are not like that. You are, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So as a result of you living a godly life, a holy life, you can show others the light. You can show others what God is like. You can show others what God is like. Another result of living a, a holy life before the Lord, you will submit. I love what James says, James 4, 7. He says, submit yourselves therefore unto God and resist the devil and he'll flee from you. You'll have power over the devil when you live a holy life before God. Now, how do you live a holy life? Again, that is a matter of, first of all, prayer. And also, you're going to confess the word of God. You're going to continue to confess who you are, regardless of what happened, regardless of, a, of what, who said this or that. You're going to confess the word of God boldly. And as you confess the word of God radically, you're going to see a radical change in your life. Radically, radically, as you give the word of God uh, dominance in your life or preeminence in your life, as you confess it radically, you're going to have a radical change and radical transformation. Because remember, the Word of God is quick and powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. The Word of God is alive. The words that Jesus speaks are spirit, and they are life. And as you put those spirit words, those life, as you speak those spirit living words out, it begins to change the atmosphere around you. It begins to change you, your life. Everything begins to change when you begin to say what your Father is saying. But if you're going to manhandle your life or a woman handle your life and say, I'm going to be holy, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to stop doing that, I'm going to do that, you know, you just, you're going to end up not going to be, it's not going to be well. But if you, through your confession and through your prayer life, open the door for the Spirit to come in and let him lead you, lead you, let him take you by the hand and lead you, you'll find that those things begin to melt away just like ice in the middle of the road on a hot summer's day, it'll melt away, melt away, melt away. The more you become like your father, the less power sin will have control over you. But now, one thing the Holy Spirit will do, he will actually convict you of sin. He'll tell you, hey, that's sin. That's sin. Not to shame you, not to condemn you. He has to show you what is wrong so that you can release it and give that thing to him. Once the Holy Spirit identifies what this, what this is, what behavior this is, then give this over to him. Say, Lord, I give this over to you. I give my bad temper to you. I, I, I give my mouth to you. I, I give what I do. Lord, I give it to you. I give the drugs or the alcohol, whatever it is. Lord, I give it all to you. You say it's, this, you say it's not good. You say it's sin. It's going to mar my witness. It's going to mar the light. It's going to uh, defile the light. So, Lord, I give this to you in Jesus' name. And I thank you for receiving it, Father, and I thank you that I am holy. I pray that makes sense to you today. Our time is gone. We have so much more, but we're going to stop it right there. So, Father, I thank you in Jesus' name for this time that you've given us. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit has taken these words 
and you've caused these words to make sense to your people. Father, I pray that they will not only be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Lord, I pray for a fresh anointing to do what you've said, to declare your word boldly, to declare it radically who they are in you, that their lives will be completely changed. Father, I thank you for the signs and wonders that shall follow the ministry of your word. And Father, I thank you, Lord, for our friends that are right now watching and for those that are present. If you've never received the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, then I'm telling you, you are missing out big time. Uh, To receive him is very simple. The Lord made it very simple. You don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to join a church. You don't have to join an organization. You simply have to ask the Father. Ask him. Talk to him, and he'll save you. So I'll lead you in his simple prayer, and if you would, just repeat this with me. Just say, Father, I come to you. I admit that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I ask Jesus to save me, to come in my life. I turn from my sin, and I turn unto you. From now forth, I confess Jesus as my Savior, as my Lord, and I ask Jesus to come into my heart, live in me, make me yours, and I'll serve you with all my life as you show me how. I thank you that you've raised Jesus from the dead and that he's alive forevermore. I trust in him now. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, my friends, if you prayed that prayer or something like that prayer and, and you welcome Jesus in, then I tell you, welcome to the family of God. And uh, I look forward to meeting you one day. If we can do anything else for you, let us know. Just go to our website at www.kingdomrock.org. Until next time, we love you. See you then. Well, we pray that you were blessed and encouraged by today's message. Don't forget, you can connect with us at our website at kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can hear today's message as well as the entire series. So check it out today. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way. We'll see you on the next time.